Hello, and welcome to Owning the Future of Healthcare, brought to you by Health Catalyst. I'm James Kent. One of the offshoots of the COVID-19 pandemic in the healthcare industry was the increase in adoption of data and analytics capabilities to support clinical, financial, and operational decision-making. Joining me for a discussion on this topic is Dr. David Ingham, Vice President and Chief Health Information Officer at Alina Health. David, how are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, James. David, I just mentioned the increase in adoption of data and analytics capabilities in healthcare to support those crucial clinical, financial, and operational decision-making areas. Are you pleased with the progress that has been made to support data-driven decision-making? And in your eyes, what more could be done, should have been done, or what would you like to see moving forward? Yeah. You know, in the last 10, 15 years or so, there's been really tremendous progress on a great many fronts in terms of analytics capabilities. We have true enterprise data warehouses, stable infrastructures, um, delivering data, it's routine, it's streamlined, works pretty well. Uh, more recently, we've observed you know, the growth of so-called big data, some of the promises around it, um, emergence of advanced analytics techni techniques, uh, bringing about really you know, insights and truly actionable items. That's been great. Uh, yet challenges, I, I do think, remain, um, some of which are probably arguably out of those successes. Uh, there's a constant flow of requests for data, um, which is good, but we have to then maintain data. We have to prioritize it. We need to standardize it. And, you know, not to mention data literacy is not always on pace with all these changes. So, I, you know, I think while we've made wonderful progress, there's gaps where uh, data could provide greater insight, direction around decision making, whether it's, you know, operational, clinical and whatnot. Well, tell me a little bit about Alina Health and the populations you serve. Sure. Alina is an uh, integrated health delivery system in the Twin Cities, uh, and we serve predominantly uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area, surrounding suburbs, and uh, the surrounding counties. Twelve hospitals, around 100 clinics. Uh, I think we have about 29,000 employees. And our patient population ranges from, you know, really true inner city uh, populations with some of the challenges that can come there to uh, all the way out to the rural areas where you have farmers coming in, uh, probably not on their tractors these days as it gets colder, but uh, coming in from outside of town. And then also, you know, suburban population. So really runs the gamut. Um, and uh, it's a, a broad range of patients. We have a mix of fee-for-service and population health, so value-based contracts and the like, so really a broad range of patients. What makes you different from other healthcare organizations? Or maybe a better way to put it is, uh, what can other healthcare organizations learn from you in how you handle data and analytics? Yeah, good question. Uh, one of the things I think we do well in our analytics space is delivering data to end users really seamlessly from whether it's our data warehouse or, or other spaces into our EHR. So clinicians, they really live in the electronic medical record. And yet we need you know, the computational engine and the data sets that sit in the data warehouse. So we need to deliver all that stuff into the EHR to deliver the, the insights and, and whatnot to help our clinical end users care for patients. And you know sometimes that's real time inline information that needs to be delivered, like in the patient's chart. 
Other times, you know, it's more intermittent. So we have a robust dashboard system in our EHR, holds all sorts of measures from quality, efficiency, productivity, help our docs understand their patient panel, um, how they compare to peers, things of that nature. And that dashboard system, it, it's really uh, one unique aspect is that it adapts to the clinician's specialty and the care space. So we can deliver information that's most relevant to them at the time they're using it. That's pretty slick. Um, another thing I, I think we do pretty well is measuring the impact of various initiatives. You know, I would say all health systems strive for that. It makes sense. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, a, a lot struggle to actually do it. And so, well, I know it sounds elementary. This is something I think we do pretty well. Um, an example would be recently our informatics team built out uh, an alert on the ambulatory space for shoulder MRIs, so a very expensive test. And um, it turns out most shoulder MRIs are unnecessary early in a treatment course. And so we had the team, uh, again, I always like to get back to the elementary stuff. What are, we, what are we measuring and how are we doing on it? And so after three months, they measured and we prevented about 150 unnecessary MRIs. And so at a thousand to two thousand bucks an MRI, that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and, you know, a good example of, uh, you know, if you're living in a value based care world, um, you know, having the analytics to be able to measure that. Uh, is great because um, sometimes uh, our interventions don't work, you know. And if they if they're not working, we can iterate. Um, we can uh, you know pull out the pull out the the intervention or whatnot. And so again, I'm not suggesting that these things are truly novel or no one does them, but I'm kind of a believer in certain fundamentals and doing them well. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of healthcare organizations have the capabilities, but that doesn't mean that uh, system-wide, everybody's using those capabilities to their maximum potential. So, I mean, if you're doing that um, even halfway, then, then you're on the right road. Uh, but when we're looking at the complexities and the needs of data and analytics, how did your partnership with Health Catalyst come about? Uh, and, and what are the benefits that you've seen from working with Health Catalyst on these types of solutions? Yeah, our journey with Health Catalyst started quite a few years ago. I think it might have been 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Um, and Alina uh, was actually part of the Health Catalyst origin story in that we were their first customer um, and started out with an agreement where we'd uh, work with them, sharing our database, some of our analytics tools, some of our staff, and um, they would be able to run their tools, build their tools using our live patient data set. And then we'd be able to use those tools to improve care. And as, as you probably know, Health Catalyst is really an early innovator in the analytics space. Um, they identified the need for really strong data warehouse architecture. Uh, and I'd say more importantly, the need for a data-driven culture. And I think that was very important for Alina to learn early in our relationship and early in sort of the emergence of this data uh, mindset that a centered mindset, really. And, you know, since uh, the start of that relationship, we've had a lot of successes, uh, you know, in the advanced analytics space, um, whether it's identifying, you know, opportunities, like I mentioned above with the MRIs, um, larger things like readmission uh, drivers that we can then act on, um, expensive tests within cardiology, where we can identify the ones that are necessary, unnecessary, and then again, take action. And really, you know, using those tools from uh, Health Catalyst to, you know, improve clinical variation, track progress, provide line of sight and KPIs for leaders uh, and this sort of thing. What would you say is perhaps the greatest opportunity for healthcare transformation that most healthcare systems aren't addressing? 
That's a good question. You know, I think a lot of health systems, probably mine included, still struggle with what to do with their yeah. data. Uh, you know, we now have huge data sets and can access them, but too often, I think we get stuck on what to actually do with all that information. Part of it, you know, probably comes down to gaining insights from the data. Part of it's probably data literacy. Um, and then, but perhaps most importantly, it's having capabilities to execute on the opportunities that you identify. So we mine the data, we go through it, we find these opportunities. If you don't have teams and mechanisms to actually you know, move, move on those opportunities, you're not going to have a lot of success. Are there any unique challenges uh, your healthcare system is facing currently? You know, not necessarily unique across the country, but I would say unique within our market and our region. Alina is in the, the midst of a pretty serious transition from a fee-for-service world into a pop health and a risk-based contract space. And I'd say, you know, the proverbial foot in each canoe, we are kind of just starting to put all our weight into that uh, risk-based contract canoe. So that's a big deal for us. It's created a lot of work in different spaces. I'd say, you know, our analytics capabilities are front and center in many ways, um, whether it's, you know, understanding our current performance, uh, developing reliable KPIs, all sorts of things that really, you know, are essential uh, to performing. And yeah, so I, I think that's a big one. Um, not uh, you, another one, not unique to our system, of course, staffing shortages. Um, you know, it seems to be a cascading effect uh, where uh, some of these things are causing troubles. So, yeah, you know, it's funny you just uh, so teed up my next question really nicely. Is this kind of a health? care wide challenge right now is staffing shortage as my wife uh, she's an NP and a director at a regional hospital and uh, that's all she's talking about these days is st staffing shortages so uh, one of the things that these staffing shortages create is a lot of pressure on other care team members who now have to shoulder a much bigger load uh, and th then they grow dissatisfied and they start looking for other positions uh, and, and you know the healthcare industry, it's, it's growing, it's not shrinking, <laughs> at least to, to my knowledge, it's not shrinking. Uh, okay, and, and so while not necessarily a data analytics issue, uh, with any help in reducing workload uh, plus these days, how do you see data and analytics playing a role, if any, in supporting this already taxed healthcare workforce? Yeah, you know, we we were really dependent on our data just recently for a, for a staffing reason. We recently had um, a mandatory COVID vaccination uh, uh, process within our organization, or at least having a COVID vaccine as a condition of employment. And that right. went live on October 1. And so August and September were really um, busy times and nerve wracking times because we needed line of sight into how our uh, how our employees were doing on being vaccinated. And so we've relied pretty heavily on an integration between our statewide vaccine database, our HR tools, and our uh, data warehouse to know where, what percentage of our pay, of our employees are vaccinated, and then what spaces are, are we uh, potentially going to have an issue if on October 1, we lose a bunch of employees. And so we were able to isolate specific, this hospital has a, a lower rate than other places. This group of employees uh, in this clinic, for whatever reason, and so in that way, we could target our education, target our awareness around the, you know, the benefits of the vaccine, and also create contingency plans in the event that we lost some folks on October 1. 
And, you know, I'd say we, we did pretty well with our vaccinations. We did lose some people. But again, because of our analytics, uh, you know, I'd say capabilities and our, our assessments there, we were able to be a step ahead in that and sort of know that we were potentially going to have troubles, troubles, and that really softened the impact. Okay, David, you just provided uh, an amazing example of how data and analytics can help in a crucial time because, again, speaking with my wife, this was an issue. Um, they're getting ready to go through that right now. And I don't think as a, as a smaller regional hospital, they have that level of data and analytics in place. And it's been very hard. I mean, to, to, a, to a regular person outside of the healthcare world, you think, well, it should be easy, right, to find out uh, how many employees right. are vaccinated, all that stuff. And it is not, especially if you do not have those types of analytics in place. And it can really make helpful. I mean, if you can be able to go to your leaders and say, we, we could be short here, we could be short here, this is what we're going to need to shore up. That's that's incredible. So I commend you. I think that's Absolutely. what it's all about, right? You just you just said it right there. Yeah. Um, it was a huge benefit. Uh, Absolutely. That, that's tremendous. Uh, so, okay, we're, put on the, uh, the prognosticator cap here. Uh, any predictions for 2022? Uh, what's going to get better? What's going to remain a challenge? And what will healthcare organizations need to focus on to be successful as we wind our way, hopefully, to the end of the pandemic? Um, you know, and I, I crafted that question just before the weekend and then a new variant popping its way. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm hopeful that we'll be, you know, rounding the home stretch in 2022. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I try to live, you know, it's almost like two worlds these days. There's the pandemic world and then the non-pandemic. On the non-pandemic side for 2022, I, the buzz is all around cloud. And I think we're going to continue to see a concerted effort there moving in that direction, including in, you know, data storage and processing spaces. That's a space where the data sets are so big that it's a real challenge to move that from an on-prem or a hosted uh, site uh, into the cloud. So that's a challenge that I think will start to gain some traction. Uh, you know, predictive analytics really continues to be, I, I'd say, a very interesting space. A lot of potential, but I'd say not a lot of delivery yet. We're seeing some traction in spaces like imaging analysis, dermatology, things where it's really a fixed set of information that's being analyzed. And then to build that algorithm, we've had a, a concrete data set from which it could train. And I think it's, and so I think there's a lot of potential. I think that's going to continue emerging this year, as opposed to, you know, when you get into more fluid clinical spaces, uh, I think we're going to continue to see predictive analytics struggles. So we've seen the limited utility in sepsis, COVID deterioration, readmission, these types of things. There's potential, but I think we're a ways away from really having the predictive analytics play a meaningful role in patient care, routine care. When it comes to the pandemic uh, and kind of outside the analytics space, you know, the biggest challenge I see uh, is learning to function as a health system in the age of COVID. Uh, and that means sort of living with COVID and developing business processes, capabilities that are nimble so we can flex with COVID rather than having you know, our usual rigid care models where we risk fracturing them and not being able to deliver care you know, every time something about COVID and the newest variant or the, the latest surge happens. You know, you just mentioned how that next move really to the cloud is gonna be so important. And we've talked a lot about so much data and analytics available. My question is, it, and we'll look at your situation 
uh, with your organization. Uh, how is that intersecting with edge computing? Has that made its way? Because I'm thinking a lot of, uh, from a system standpoint, there are a lot of complex uh, medical devices, right? So the, you yep. may be getting a lot of edge data and how is that being handled or how are you thinking about how do you have to handle that data to make sense of it uh, when you're getting so much data right there on site? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, you know, there's data coming from so many spaces, uh, edge devices included. And it's it's an interesting mix because as we, as we try to move all the data into the cloud, we continue to have more and more data that's produced. So we almost need to figure out a way to bring it up there and then bring it back. Uh, you know, one of the ways we're handling that is if we're able to have a lighter footprint um, in our uh, in our IT spaces, meaning instead of having a computer with a thick client, a full client, we can have a web-based browser that then can run really lightly and bring that data in and out from the cloud very seamlessly. I think that's part of it. Um, but overall, I think it's really about being able to ingest all that data, organize it seamlessly, and then extract it and utilize it, um, whether it's coming from edge devices, uh, from regular applications or whatnot. So probably kind of a confluence of things. Well, this has been a tremendous conversation. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Dr. David Ingham, Vice President and Chief Health Information Officer at Alina Health. David, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, James. Happy to be here. And for more information on Alina Health, go to alinahealth.org. And thank you for watching this episode of Owning the Future of Healthcare, brought to you by Health Catalyst. If you'd like to learn more on how you can free your data and own your future, go to healthcatalyst.com. There you can check out additional videos like the one you've just watched. And you can also subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We have more terrific topics and conversations coming your way. So stay tuned for those. Until then, I'm James Kent. Let's talk again soon.